0: It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP Podcast time. What's up, Talk LP Podcast fans? It's Amber. I'm back with a special guest who you may or may not know. David Ruffing, VP of Loss Prevention, Remote Operations and Investigations at Kohl's. I had to look down because it's a long title. David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, it's good to be here. Hello everybody. Thank you so much. That's quite quite an introduction, but uh but great to be with you.
0: Yes. Um let's state the obvious in the fact that you're very you look very young for having a BP title. So, congratulations.
1: Well, we covered
0: hey. this last time, didn't we?
1: Yeah, yeah, we kind of we kind of covered it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the uh, the special potion is I'm uh, I'm using, but uh, rest assured it'll catch up with me some somewhere down the road.
0: Yeah, so we won't get into ages. Although I don't really ever mind. You know, people are like, oh, I'm. You know, they lie about their age. Do you don't lie about your age? Do you? most men don't?
1: No, no, I don't. I can tell you, early in my career, it used to irritate me because you know I would yeah. literally have people say to me like. Well, I've been doing this longer than you've been alive. So, you know, oh. listen to you. So, yeah, it used to bother <laughs> me, but it, like anything else, the older you get, I'm like, okay, you know, yeah. I, I'd be happy to look young for forever, I guess.
0: Look, I'm stoked when I get ID'd, which is <laughs> stupid because that's the rule. You know, people are following the rules, but I'm like, oh, sure.
1: No, it's the same thing. I'm excited. I'd be happy to show you my ID. No problem whatsoever. And when you come back for the second run, I'd be happy to show it to you. Yeah.
0: Again. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, when you first turn 21, what? Well, okay, audience, we'll get to the meat in a second, but this is important. When you first turn 21, you're like stoked to give it. You're like, you know, ID me. And then you get annoyed, you know, but then when you're older, you're like, oh, it's like a welcome. Refrain. Oh,
1: it comes, it comes full circle. Yeah. There's yeah. definitely a progression that you, that you go through, but yes, I, I completely appreciate that.
0: Yeah. You know, you're getting old when young people say, oh, this nice young lady, like they're saying young just to make you feel better. Okay. I digress. This is more like a therapy session. Okay. Dude, you, know,
1: you know what? It's, it's the birthdays that get me, right? When yeah. you start hearing like, okay, the nineties, I'm like, okay, really? And then it starts getting you, you do the math. You're like, oh, okay, that's right. Somebody, yeah. So somebody born in, you know, 99 or 2000 yeah. is, is 21 now. It's like, okay, that, that doesn't make sense. It really gets me. Yeah.
0: I don't understand people born in 20 something. That's yep. irritating to me.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. This well, we're okay. of like mind there. So,
0: <laughs> okay. Look, this is cool because your career is very interesting, especially in, lo- in loss prevention. I would, I would venture a guess. This is not a scientific study, but I would venture a guess that most people, and you can tag me at Let's Talk LP if this is not right or you don't think so, but most professionals move around because you're moving around a lot, but you have been at Kohl's a little bit of time,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, I, I have. I'll be hitting 25 years next spring. And it's uh, it's amazing when you say it out loud, but yeah, I've been been here pretty much the, the duration of my uh, my career.
0: Yeah, which is really cool because you started as a sales associate, got into the loss prevention. I think it's everybody's story about they fell into it. So we'll skip that part, but you know, uh, sales, Associate and then LP officer, compliance, ecom, DC. I mean, tell us about your being in one company and what that's like, and you're moving around to really different responsibilities. Like, how how did you navigate that, and did it just come easy, or or how did that work?
1: Yeah, it's it's been an awesome experience. I mean, Kohl's is a, a fantastic company to to be with, and you know, I think what's unique for me is I, I really feel like as I grew up sort of the company grew up at the same time, I, I was just a teenager when I started here and I was looking for a part-time gig over the summer and in, in college. So just completely by random happenstance, I, I ended up here and, you know, I, I, was a teenager and the company had maybe 150 ish stores or something like that. And then as my career had a chance to grow, the company exploded probably tenfold over that same time. So, you know, it was really fortuitous. I think the timing uh, really certainly worked, worked in my favor, but yeah, it was a complete, complete accident. Again, I was just looking for a gig for a summer or two in college. I got to know the fellow who was working LP in the store I was in and I was like, well, I got another year. till I graduate catching shoplifters seems much more it's interesting.
0: sexy. It's fun. Yeah, well,
1: Soliciting credit or folding towels where you're working at the cash register. No, 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 thanks. So, you know, I got to know him and I helped him out a little bit. And then, I, as I graduated from school, again, Cole's. You know, we were just rapidly expanding, and so we had all these new positions. And I was lucky enough to go into that first full time role, which was an auditor job. And and then things kind of kind of progressed from there. But it, it's been it's been cool because you know all the the growing pains that you go through as a young professional. I kind of feel like the company was going through the same growing pains as we were going from a very regional sort of mom and pop retailer to a, a a nation a nationwide chain. So so coming back to your initial question it's been it's been a great experience. I've just had a lot of really unique opportunities here and uh it's uh it's been it's been fun. It's been really fun.
0: When you think about the loss prevention challenges of a growing chain, right? And it's really interesting because you are on the back side of it, right? You guys are big now, you've been big for a while, if you think about it. So think about, you know, growing up in Kohl's and from a loss prevention perspective, what do you think are some of the things that you would give our audience to takeaways to say, hey, you know, when a company, you're in a, a budding, exploding company, like here's some things that were challenging. And that, you know, along the way in kind of a very fast growing, rapid pace type of growth.
1: You know, that's a really good question because I think some of the things that make the company very successful at the onset, some of that institutional knowledge is bad as you want to hold on to it, it can be a a hindrance as you're looking to to scale up. So, you know, we came primarily out of the Midwest and so when it came to operational standards or, you know, LP approach, you know, we had a very set kind of black and white program, but now as you're going from areas like Chicago and Milwaukee and suddenly you're opening 100 stores in California or 75 stores in New York, or you're going into the South, sort of the way you you sliced and diced it for the first 30 years of the company's existence, you got to come up with something completely different. So, you know, I think, you know, where we maybe had, a resistance in the past to product protection or you know even looking at the way we put our orc program in place or any of that you know we had to very quickly change and scale it up as we were moving into these new markets because we just weren't ready for the aggressiveness of the theft in, in particular i think as we went into these different areas so so it's interesting you try to hold on to some of the pieces that made you successful but you got to quickly adapt because the shrink challenges in Houston, Texas, are a lot different than the shrink challenges in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and you take your lumps as you go through it, and you, you learn it. But you know, now now looking back, I think it's invaluable that we had we had that experience, and we sort of had to had to go through it. So that's a really that's a really good question, and I think, you know, the good thing is that it sets you up to continue to adapt because all right, the second the second you got it down then all right, well, there's this, this new thing, or there's this new problem, or there's a, this new trend. And, and so if you've become agile, and you've become open to new solutions and new approaches, you know, you can readily apply that as you move forward. So maybe too long of an answer. But uh, again, I think just trying to scale up and, and, and wanting to, to break from some of those institutional norms uh, was really a, a headwind for us.
0: Yeah, so not getting complacent, and well, we've always done it this way. Right, I mean, how many how many billboards can you see or memes posts of the don't do it the same way you've always done it, right? So it sounds like that, you know, is is certainly a learning. But when you think about scaling up, is there anything you could say, you know, hey, when you're moving into a new market, here's a couple things from my learnings that we would definitely that you should definitely think about. I don't know whether that's, you know, looking at the trends, maybe it's getting a crime index report. I'm sure your real estate people are all, all over that, that kind of thing. But you know, thinking about like in these new markets, what is the thing that made you most successful quickly? Is it the law enforcement partnerships when you say you had to kind of learn quickly and evolve?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So like anybody else, we run a lot of our internal metrics before we go into a, a new area. and So we've got a risk rating. So we sort of anticipate what we're going to face. But to me, I think it's hearing from the new folks coming into the organization on even the store leadership side. So I can think when we went back into South Florida 12 or 13 years ago now, and we had a lot of new store leadership that came in from, from retailers down there and just picking their brains about, well, here's what we dealt with when, you know, when I was at Macy's, here's what we dealt with over there. When I was at this company, here's what we dealt with. So I, I think that was invaluable. And then being just, open and ready to supplement kind of, okay, here's what we think we're going to deal with. And here's what we're hearing from the new leadership. How do we, how do we meld those two together? So those, I think those conversations in particular were probably more valuable even than talking to other folks in LP in those new areas, or even talking to law enforcement. I think just the knowledge from store leadership was, uh, was insightful.
0: Nice. Nice. Um, Okay. So let's turn the attention to the DC side of things. We haven't talked much to folks on the D.C. side um, on this podcast, I wouldn't think. So if you're on the D.C. side and you're looking, come be a guest on our podcast. We want to talk to you. But so, David, you've had some experience along your uh, tenure there at Kohl's in the D.C. What would you say, you know, are some things that you're like, man, I found this to be really different than the store side of things or, you know, if you if some of our listeners maybe have an opportunity to move to that side of the business. What would you say just in general about that experience in the DC? What made you want to do it? What were the things that were surprising potentially or some little nuggets you could give the audience about? I was I surprised.
1: I was surprised at how much more efficient the operation ran as opposed to what I expected. I think when you're in the stores, you have a tendency to get frustrated. You see an inventory result come through and you're like, well, I can't explain it by an issue in the store and I can't explain it by a theft trend. So it's gotta be some mismanagement in the DC. There's just gotta be some process that they're not doing right. That that's jamming me up here on the results. And and I guess I was surprised when I got into the uh, logistics network at uh, the controls that they had in place, the passion that they had for accuracy and the, the shipments and that, and it really, I think it really gave me a holistic picture of, uh, okay, you, you know, the issues that I'm dealing with might be store based and, and not DC side. So I think that was uh, that was really really helpful for me. And then you know I, I had an interesting chance. I was an LP manager at our, our very first EFC venture when we uh, we opened the first fulfillment center. You know, it's over twenty years ago now. But I think seeing all of the unknowns in, in, in that business and all the different things we thought we were going to be issues and then finding out what they really were, I think that was, that was helpful as well. And, and those connections and those learnings I had about the processes in the EFC and the DCs, I mean, they've certainly helped me problem solve pretty much every, every other step I've taken since then. And where it's been really good is having the ability to educate the store partners or even you know, the LP directors I've had in my pyramid about, well, let me give you a little background on how that process really works. So you know, your emotion, your concern about the DC not doing X, Y, and Z, it's not, it's not really the case. So I guess you know, I, I would strongly encourage anybody out there, if you got a chance to go hang out in a DC for a day, sit down with the director from the DC uh, for a day, it's going to make you that much more well-rounded about how you're yeah. approaching your own business.
0: And learn, and so it sounds like that's just super important um, to really be able to talk holistically about what business challenges there might might be. Is to get into that DC if you don't understand how it works.
1: Yeah, I think seeing the whole process beginning to end makes you so much more effective at your little little link in the chain. I think for all of us you know, especially when you start your career, you think, okay, well, I'm, I'm, you know, an LP manager here, a DLPM here, and there is nothing more important in the world than uh, the shrink in this one store I'm dealing with, there's 10 stores, and and you get this really myopic viewpoint. But if you can see the entire process beginning to end, I think it gives you a greater empathy for what the other partners are dealing with. And it makes you much more effective in in performing in in your own role. So, and I I would say that's universal, whether we're talking about a DC and EFC, or any other partner related to, to LP or outside of it, it is, it is worth your time trying to learn as much as you can about all those areas.
0: Yeah. same Is it same with e-com, right? I mean, you have that it also in your uh, resume dealing with that. Um, so, you know, especially as much as it's changed this year, you know, you're talking about places that you never thought would be doing curbs, curbside to go, right? I want my, my uh, workout clothes I just bought from Kohl's to go, you know what I'm saying? Like where you're picking up bags and, and you got all these things. I mean, e com is just huge now, especially Kohl's has this amazing app. I'll just say, first of all, with my Kohl's cash, but that's a different topic. <laughs> so thinking about, you know, e com like, is it the same thing? Like if you don't know what process, if it's not in your job description, it's still okay to seek out knowledge in those areas.
1: It's almost a prerequisite just to be able to try to be functional and in in your current role. You know, look, you look at the trend for brick and mortar retail, you know, the way that we're trying to fight to keep up with, uh, you know, with uh, the online exclusive places is, you know, we're moving towards omni channel, right? So a greater percentage of our business is happening in the virtual world as opposed to the physical environment. So I think for all of us in LP, You've got to understand that that's going to have a much different impact on your your trend results, your shrink results. There's a different way that you have to go about solving operational problems, initiating investigations. you got to understand a little bit about all, all those pieces. So, yeah, absolutely. And as important as it is now, you know, look ahead a year, two years, five years. This is the trend. It's going to get even more important for us to be really knowledgeable in those areas.
0: Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, we've, we've talked offline about one of my big passions too, which is internal training and communication. And and you have that within your realm of responsibility. Coles, talk about how important you feel like the training and the communication is to your store level associates and how it impacts your loss prevention results.
1: Yeah, I, I think 2020, it's probably been more important than ever before that we're very, very clear and articulate in the expectations for not only the LP team, but even even our partners on the other side. And I think a lot of us have been forced to shift the way we go a- about LP this year. And, and, you know, as stringent as we had to be in the past about these are our best practices and we need you to follow them to, so, you know, limit liability and, and all of that, you know, with the changing environment, it's even, it's even, it's even more so now, right? So, you know, you look at it in 2020, it felt like every other week we were rolling out okay well now we've got this new policy regarding masks and now we've got this new policy regarding how many associates can be in the store and we've got this new policy about how we're going to approach theft so if there is not a clear concise message that that rolls out you're just sort of trusting folks are going to figure it out on their own and that's not that's not a position anybody wants to be in
0: yeah for sure i've heard it said you know by several executives that they had to choose one simple mode of, uh, combating shrink and, you know, really taking it to the internal external theft issue and even operational theft. It is the training. It is the training piece, which is, um, I totally agree with, (laughs) but you know, it's interesting to say, to hear that from your side too, because you've seen, and you've had experiences in all these other departments.
1: Yeah. and, And I think, you know, for, for us, our approach has always been okay. The, the LP training for, for our, Hierarchy is important, but we've got to fight just as hard on that training for the store site partner. So when you talk about addressing a major theft situation that's that's occurring, you know we've got to make sure every store leader out there knows exactly what the expectations are, what can and and what what shouldn't that they shouldn't do, and you know how do we make sure their safety is protected at at all times. So you know, at our company, we put just as much effort in as as trying to educate that that group. But you know, we're a larger company like ours where we are really concerned is that we don't want selective interpretation of what those policies or practices are right we've got a number of district level leaders out there and everybody can sort of have maybe their own slant on what this best practice means or this policy but you know we try to do our best to to make sure it's consistent the training comes from a centralized location so everybody understands what the the guidelines are and and everybody adheres to it and again I think it's always been important for us but this year uh, far far and above any any other
0: yeah so much to communicate so quickly and constantly changing
1: yeah yeah super important absolutely and then like everybody else out there you know at the height of this we were having multiple calls daily with leadership from from really every pyramid and just making sure we were consistent with what messaging was going out to all levels of the field and expectations and and, and all of that and you know it worked it worked really really well and hopefully we don't have to deal like with us any anytime you know or anything like this any, anywhere in the future, but yeah. it was a, it was a great exercise for us just to uh, make sure those assumptions we had about how this worked and how people uh, sort of uh, uh, digested our training did it did it really work, right so uh, I think that in some way was really helpful for us to maybe hit the reset button on some pieces
0: yeah, cool, okay, so talking about. Um, and I know we're not going to get into super specifics here, but I know Kohl's, um, you guys operate your own internal monitoring center and this is, I often hear a point of, um, debate, right? Whether people should be ex, you know, outsourcing their monitoring and depending on store count or they bring it in internally and, uh, you know, figure out. <laughs> you got see energy lost, saving is important yeah, too. <laughs> lost, lost the lights there. Yeah. Whether they bring it in house or outsource the whole thing. So, talk a little bit if you can in generalities of of how Kohl's went about deciding this is an internal thing for us and it works and this is why.
1: Yeah, so just point of clarification, so the the alarm monitoring piece, so we still engage a third third party on that, right? So that Got it something that, uh, you know, we, we don't have in house right now. But, you know, I think as far as trying to get a, a centralized command and control center, you know, we, we wanted to have a one point of contact for senior leadership, where we knew that if it was business continuity, or, you know, dealing with any type of uh, crisis, weather related, anything like that in the field, we wanted one central point of contact that could be able to collect and disseminate information to, to all levels of, of leadership. And, and having it here in one spot, I, I think, you know, we felt that was the best way for us to uh, very efficiently react to what was going out there, communicate to everyone and make sure we, we were on the, the same page moving forward. So I, I think, you know, the different organizations, they leave it up to, you know, individual, maybe pockets of leadership in the field to address a crisis or store closings on their own. But I think we wanted all the decisions being made sort of centrally and then being communicated universally. So, you know, that's, uh, I guess, the biggest question to, to weigh is. What is the most efficient method and effective method to collect the info you need from the field, get direction out to the field and then keep senior leadership updated. So this is the way we do it. And, and I guess those are some of the some of the factors we looked at when bringing that process to the to the corporate center.
0: Yeah, really interesting. I mean, you hear a lot of people going back and forth on whether to, to bring things in house and, and separate the duties of uh, alarm versus CCTV and all that good stuff. But, so thinking about um, investigations for a second and professional development and um, what do you think for our listeners, if they're you know, coming up the chain as you did, what are some of the things that you think are the best professional development opportunities, whether it's on the investigation side or whether it's just business side, like what have you gotten involved in that you think, hey, this was really worth my time and actually helped my career?
1: Yeah, I'll start on the, the business side because I think that's been the one that I've always tried to uh, attack um, Immediately, whenever I've gone into a, to a new role. And, and for me, it's almost like an informal job shadow. You know, I can think of being a, a newly promoted district loss prevention manager, and I would ask just to spend an entire day with a personnel manager in, in a store and just kind of listen to what's on their mind, what's important to them, how are they having conversations with uh, their leaders and, and the associates, what what's a priority for, for them. And, you know, I've sort of followed that train of thought all, all the way through. So any role I've been in, uh, you know, so say there's a, you know, no regional store side. So I just take along with that person for a couple of days and not even on any LP related initiatives. I just want to see what's important to them and what can I pick up from, uh, from, from their world. So I think, you know, that gives you a much better business acumen. It Did it allows, make them
0: nervous though? Were they nervous? You like, know, Oh, I got this LP guy in my car.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah. What's his, what's his due taking along with me for, right? Like yeah. why? why so it matters
0: well. how you set that up. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I think so. But I it comes back to what I was saying a, a little bit earlier about understanding the EFCs and the DCs. Like as much as we want to think AP or LP is the most important cog in, in the wheel, we're just we're just one spoke. And the better you understand all these other pieces you're going to be that much more effective in, in, in getting done what you need to. So that, you know, I, I think just sort of getting in the head of what was going on with the, with the business partners and trying to be as global as possible is always my starting point in any, in any role that I've been in. And although I said, all right, well, this is more in the business side, I guess that's pretty universal too, because it just, it makes you that much more effective in, in your approach in, uh, in, in, in LP. Um, but then I guess looking more specifically at LP, you know, one of the things I was always curious about is, you know, what's going on up at the corporate office in the LP department? And, you know, what are the things that are their priorities? What can I learn from the folks up here? You know, they've got individuals that are specialists in training and investigations and physical security and dealing with vendors. And as a field person, that really it wasn't my, my wheelhouse or I was a manager of my team day to day and and working with store leaders. So as often as I could get up to the corporate office and just spend some time chatting with the folks up here or getting on the phone with them and say, you know, Hey, I'm not calling because I need help with my camera system. That's down. And I just, what, what's on your plate today? Like, who are you talking to? And what, what are you talking about? So that curiosity about all sides just develops a very well-rounded, a very well-rounded leader.
0: Yeah. I love that. And, and also you would think it develops respect you know within the organization that you care enough to care what other people are doing like you know you're not one of those that's saying oh well you can catch your way to lower shrink right i mean clearly it's a holistic
1: view yeah and when you have an opportunity to to sit down with uh, the EVP of stores and and you want to talk to them about a product protection solution that you want to put into place, you know, it's better to approach it from, well, let me talk to you a little bit about how I'm going to increase sales engagement and service in your store. We'll get to that shortage piece a little bit, but you know, this is about driving a better store experience for for your customers. And I know by doing that. That's a brilliant approach yeah, we're going to get to that shortage piece where I, again, you know, I, I think when you don't maybe have that, that whole picture, you know, you just get so frustrated, like, well, I, I want to spider wrap this thing. And don't they understand shrink is up a hundred percent. I just got to do it. You know, there's just, there's just a different way for you to come at it once you have the ability to to understand where, where the other side's coming from. I'm sure there's, you know, there's any, any of a hundred LP executives you could get on here that would probably say about the same thing, but it, it, it it is so frequent that you know you run into somebody new enroll that they just they're moving so fast that they don't get that piece. Just take a pause and help me understand what what my partners are are really facing
0: yeah, no, absolutely um, okay, last question you're out of the podcast, hot seat is sure. when you're thinking about solution providers because I'd like to think there's a few solution providers that listen to this. <laughs> I hope so they're crazy if they don't. think about you know. I always like to give the solution providers tips, right? To where it's like, okay, if you're going to call you up and say they're in your area and they'd like a meeting with you, it's probably not true. (laughs) Like (laughs) that's not a tactic that LP people don't see through. So what is a good way for, it's like for a solution provider that has researched calls and your operation, right? I mean, isn't that number one? To then come to you and say, hey, look, I got something for you. Like, what's the best approach?
1: Yeah, I would say, and this is just me personally, that kind of cold calling, showing up. It just, I I guess I don't, it doesn't resonate well with with me, right? I, I think, you know, I would be much happier to have a chance to, let's get an hour on the calendar, a month out. And that way my team can prepare, okay, here's the three or four things that are on our mind as we look to the future. Here's what we're going to need help with. Like this is what we're anticipating. And I think we come to that meeting and it's more of an open discussion about Hey, this is this is where our division is at, and this is what we 're struggling with right now. This is what we need help with down the road. You know What thoughts do you have as to how you can help us to that to that end? right I, I guess I'd prefer to approach it that way and then maybe give that vendor a uh, time that time to come back and say, "Hey, it was a great meeting. you gave us some things to talk about we 've got some solutions that might work or you gave us some ideas as to some things to develop and then come back and maybe have more more detailed dialogue after so so to me, I find that much more much more effective I guess i don 't need to be convinced that I need x y and z product I'm much more along the lines of this is the issue that I'm dealing with this is what I'm going to be dealing with now come back and tell me how you can assist with with these yeah. specific
0: do you get any solution providers that knock on your door like random and want to I mean before COVID okay but random that just want to be like oh I was just wondering if David's in if he's got some time yeah Does yeah that it's, still it's, happen that's crazy
1: yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty frequent. And again, everybody's intention is in the right spot. And I, you know, uh, I,
0: you're I, nice. I'm not as no, nice as you. I'd be like, no. are you serious?
1: No, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it is, it is annoying and distracting at times. Right. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to jam anybody up. I, I understand, uh, you know, everybody, everybody's got a job to do, but uh, yeah, I, I guess to me, I, I prefer it to be an open discussion about how we get to a solution we need, as opposed to somebody trying to, trying yeah. to push something.
0: Yeah, drop in on you. I think that's nuts.
1: Yeah. I'm so yeah,
0: yeah. I, I wouldn't answer my phone if I was you. Just wait well, hey,
1: And the, <laughs> the drop ins, they, they come in all shapes and sizes and forms yeah. these days, right? It's a, it's a phone call. It's showing up at the office. It's the, uh, it's the LinkedIn uh, invite. It's the email connection, Like you name yeah. it. It's, uh, it's uh, the it's,
0: LinkedIn connect with me. And then the moment you do, they send you a sales pitch.
1: Yes. There you go. That, do you
0: immediately it. unfollow those people? I do
1: like, hey, well, thank you so much for accepting my invite. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this. Yeah,
0: I'm like, you don't even know what I do. (laughs) Man, isn't that crazy? I don't understand that. Well, we've covered the gamut on this podcast. So if you didn't get something out of it, audience, you should re-listen to it because that was awesome. I really appreciate David stepping into the Talk LP podcast chair from Kohl's, one of my favorite retailers with my Kohl's cash and the easy app. So love it, love it. You can always follow us at Let's Talk LP on Twitter. And don't forget to download the newest Talk LP news app. David has it, don't you?
1: Are you? Absolutely. I was going to
0: say, I should have asked you that before we went on. <laughs> <laughs> And he loves it. I'll just say that. No. So download the news app, breaking news headlines in the palm of your hand. Thanks for watching. We will see you next time.